Acts 10. Uh, it'll be in the modern English version. It says, And the voice spoke to him, talking about Peter a second time, and this is my text. It says, What God has cleansed, do not call common. What God has cleansed, do not call common. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we ask for your anointing. God, without your anointing, I'm nothing. It's just words and rhetoric. We need you tonight. Open our hearts up. Help us to receive this message. God, and help me deliver it because I need you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Very few times preaching over the last 16 years does God give me a text. And, and if you've studied your Bible and you've read before and after this, he's talking about the food that the Jews can eat, okay? So he's talking to Peter about what's clean. But I, it jumped off the page at me. What God has cleansed, do not call common. And it just kept sticking with me. And, and so you can put it down, JT. And this week I thought about it. I've had three different people this week tell me, talk to me about God opening up doors for them in ministry. And they're not called preachers. They're not called teachers. But God opened the doors and they felt absolutely unworthy to walk through the doors. And I didn't know if we needed to have a seminar, if we needed to have a, a sat Friday, not Saturday. And God showed me this. And I want to tell you this. If God has cleansed you tonight, you cannot call yourself common. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. I, you're not common. There's nothing common about you. If you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ... You have something so special inside of you. And I think a lot of times the reason that we don't let God use us is because we have, our faith is kind of giving way to fear. We're not sure that if we step out, will God meet us? And if we tell somebody about Christ, if we try to pray with somebody, if we try to actually be his hands and be his feet, is it really going to work? Because after all, I'm just me. Now, God uses them. You know, I heard a quote one time that says, we always compare everybody else's highlight reel <laughs> to our everyday life. Who you see everybody act like, and they're, that's not them. <laughs> they're human. I love the story of Peter. His shadow was healing people, and Paul had to rebuke him openly about his racism against the Gentiles. What does that tell you? God's still working on all of us. At the end of the day, we've still got something to work on. Look at, um, I think it's, put my scripture up in Peter, JT. I think it's 1 Peter, yeah. And everybody in the church is like, oh, we know this. Do we really know this? But you are a chosen generation. Let's just break this down real quick. If you break that down in the Greek, chosen generation means picked out. It means that God came across you and all of us here that are cleansed, we're not common, and he picked us out for this time. Amen? Amen. This is our generation. This is our time. This is when he placed us on the earth and he picked us out and he gave us a holy calling. Now, this is a royal priesthood. Now, i got a question for you. Does your worship, when you come into God's presence, is it common? Or do you really come into his presence like you're a royal priesthood? Like you are bearing precious incense, which is our praise, lifts of, sacrifice of praise from our lips, Hebrew says, are lifting up holy. Do you do it because you're royal? I promise you, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, man, I don't really go around thinking I'm royal. 
I tend to kind of go on the lines of I'm coming. Boy, you could write a book on why God's not moving in the church today. And I promise you this is at the, the root of it. They will not step out on the water like Peter did because we believe, why would he let us walk on water? Look at this. A holy nation. A peculiar people. Now listen, I've been raised in the church my whole life. Every time I've read this, peculiar people, I thought it meant weirdo. Okay? Let's just go there and be honest. When I read peculiar people, I, I thought that meant, well, they're kind of strange. They're kind of off. And we really kind of are. But that is not what, it, to this world, we should be strange. Let me just say that. But I always thought it meant like you had to be like almost mentally disturbed, peculiar, weird, strange. So today in my office, I really feel like God keeps just pricking my heart about this. Put, up, put it in the modern English version. And, and I love what it says. It says a people for God's own possession. And you say, well, man, how did it get that from peculiar? I don't know how it got translated the way it did in the King James because the two Hebrew words for it means God's own picked out. So God's own, um, God's own property, really. So this says God's own possession. So when you read the word peculiar people, you need to understand you belong to God. I am God's own possession. He can take, we love to say David slayed the giant, but yeah, what about the David that was on the back part? Nobody even considered him he was so common. Samuel had to say, is there anybody else? This is not a nursery rhyme. This is for us in the church today to realize God might be calling you tonight to something that seems bigger than you. It's just you, like, why do we not witness in our offices? Let's just start there. Why do we not witness at school? Why do we not step out of the boat when God's wanting to do something? I'll tell you, it's because we look at ourselves as just a common shepherd boy on the backside of the hill. Well, nobody even notices me. Yes, they do. God, you're his own possession. You're his own property. Amen. In the first Presbyterian church of Mount Olive, apparently. So that you may declare the goodness of him who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Now, you can keep that there. Everybody in this room has been called and has been God's own possession to tell everybody they encounter that God has taken us from darkness and not just given us light, but given us marvelous light. Amen? So, quick question. Before we move on, when's the last time you told anybody about God's marvelous light? I love the sound of that fan back there that Zach's got. So when's the last time you said, I'm called, I've been chosen, he didn't just save me to sit a pew, He's got a purpose for me. I'm so special to him that right where he's got me, where only I could be, right where I am. You need to understand, there's a back dialogue going on here that I'm going somewhere tomorrow that I don't want to be. And so I'm preaching to me that God's taken me somewhere I definitely do not want to be. 
I'm going from the promised land to the wilderness. I'm going backwards, I feel like. If you don't understand, I'll explain it later. But I understand. I had to come to grips. Well, either God has called me and either God's sending to me where I'm going and either God's fully invested in my life and his hand's always gonna be on me because we belong to him just like his hand's always gonna be on you and no, you don't wanna go to the lion's den, but there's a purpose to go to the lion's den. I felt like God asked me tonight, how are you gonna preach to people that are working jobs they don't wanna be at if you always get jobs you wanted? I was like, oh man, is there like a, is there like a bypass road? <laughs> Can we skip this? You're special. You, I'm telling you, mentally, the church is defeated because we see ourselves as common. Amen. We're beat down. I, in Isaiah, I read a scripture. It's always been weird to me. It says, the enemies of the Lord said to Israel, Lay down, because we're coming over you. And it says, and we laid down our backs to make a highway for them. I've always read that and thought, that's the defeated mindset. We magnify the enemy better than our God and our calling and our purpose. And people are like, well, what's my calling? To tell people about marvelous light. Wherever you are. To be encouragement. You know, did you notice in the testimonies, everybody's like, well, I didn't even know God would use somebody like me to minister to somebody. Well, I hate to tell you, but we're all just somebody like you. Amen. Right? Amen. 2 Peter 1.10. Let me say this back on 1 Peter. Hold on. If you keep reading 1 Peter, he goes into, you should obey every law of the land. You should submit to all authority because it's been given by God. Whether governors, whether presidents, whether anything. So that you can show that you've been called by God. So what is he saying? You should be the best employee on your job. If you don't have a job and you're in your 20s, you should get a job. Playing Xbox 12 hours a day is not a job. If you're not in college, you need to be working. If a man doesn't work, you don't eat. Well, I'm only in my early 20s. Well, you're a man. You can fight for your country. Get a job. Girls, if he don't want to get a job, get a new man. You're supposed to work a job to show people that you belong to God. That you're plucked out. That you're picked. On the job, you should have the best attitude. You should always be on time. Why? Because it's your calling. You have to do it with excellence. Let them don't come to you as the office gossip. They should know. Well, you don't go to him. He just stares at you. I learned in the office that works, man. People start telling problems to you. Don't even look up from your keyboard. Mm-hmm. 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 You won't feed them. They'll, they won't come to you anymore. It's because you're called. If you're just common, then how you live tomorrow doesn't matter, right? And if you don't have a job, ask your father. He'll give you one. He'll give you one better than you even thought you would have. Amen? I've had the privilege for 16 years to watch God just move. People didn't think they could go through college and God put them through college and people didn't think, well, I didn't go to college, I can't get a job and God just moved. You're not coming. Amen. Amen. 
And when he gives it to you, yes, thank him for it. But ask him what you have me here for, Lord. You know, Sierra talked to me about a prison ministry. And I thought, well, I have no idea what that even entangles. So Sid and Carly start coming. Sid's mom does a prison ministry. Talk to me and Sierra about it today. How to start small, how to do things. See, you're like, ooh, yeah, but man, you can run into a lot of problems going to prison ministry. Yeah, I wonder why Jesus said I was sick and in prison and you didn't come to me. Well, that's not what he meant. Wow. No, what it means is, is you don't want to mess with that. I'm just going to sit right here. So if you're Sierra and you, you feel this overwhelming call to this, I'm pretty sure that she's not thinking I'm geared for this job. Because when I heard it, I was like, oh, my goodness. We've had to have people with special needs come into this church. We didn't have anything for them, so they had to leave. We happen to have somebody now whose dad's a missionary, and that's their specialty, where we can start going that way. Because we're not just going to be a cookie-cutter church. We, everybody's got a specific calling. I knew it wasn't going to go over real well. I'm okay with it. I hear the liability. I do too. When we get to heaven. And we just thought, we're, I'm too common to do that. I'm too common to be called to that. I want to say this. and I, I, My junior year of college, I pulled up and sat in my Civic all I had to do was go in there. I had done my whole entire English class. The end of the semester, all you had to do was read to the class your paper. I mean, and back then, somebody else had done the paper, so it was slamming awesome. Just side note, we didn't always all know Jesus, okay? So I made sure that somebody could get me an A, wrote that paper, and it was an awesome paper. And I sat in my Civic with my knuckles blue because there were 28 people in there that I could not get myself to walk in front of. I failed the class. Cost me money. Had to retake it. And then God starts telling me about preaching. And now I preach to people and I talk to people. And so what I'm telling you is, is you might think and look at me and say, oh, well, he's not introverted. Yes, he's very introverted. He's so introverted that he couldn't read a paper in front of 25 people that he had known for the whole semester. So I don't care what God starts to deal with you about, he will give you the ability. Exodus chapter 3 and 4, I'm not going to read them all, I wish I could, but God comes to Moses and says, hey, you go to Pharaoh right now and you're going to tell him to let my people go. Now, that would be like me telling Hank, hey, by the way, you're going to President Trump right now and you're going to walk up to the White House and you're going to talk to him. And he's going to, Hank's going to do what all of us would do and what Moses did. How's that going to happen? Not it. Doesn't that sound like us in the church? God's like, I've given my son to you and I've freely given. Now go freely give and I want you to go out and I want you to change this world for Jesus Christ. And we look at him and say, I, don't, I can't do that. 
And he's like, what do you mean you can't do it, Moses? I'm going to turn Egypt upside down to show them that I am God. And you think he says, okay, if you're going to turn them upside down, let's do this. No. Chapter 4. He says, I'm not going. I'm just coming. I'm just a shepherd. You don't understand, Jonathan, where I've been, how I've been raised. You don't understand where I've come from. He came from the back part of nowhere. God had to show up in nowhere. And God says, oh, by the way, um, what's that in your hand? I love it. Please read Exodus 4 tonight before you go to bed. It's not very long. You will see there's four years worth of preaching in it. He says, what's in your hand? Oh, this is just that common shepherd staff that all of us have. It's just a staff. And this is what cracks. I, I don't, every time I read this, I literally laugh out loud. He says, Moses, throw your staff on the ground. And it becomes a snake. And I love it. The Bible says, and Moses ran from it. Can, I mean, like, this is not a nursery rhyme. I mean, this to me, every time I read it, people are like, the Bible's boring. I'm like, what are they reading? He grabs He's like, oh, just throw that common thing on the ground. Serpent takes off running. Do you know what God spoke to me in my office about when I was like, what's the significance of this that applies today? He says, when I tell people to reach out and I want to use them and I start showing the power of me and my majesty, they run from the calling. They hide in a church. They don't want to be inconvenienced and they sit there and they run from the very thing I'm showing is going to deliver people the power of God. Stop running. You're not common. Then he says, hey, grab it by the tail. It becomes a staff. He says, hey, put your right arm into your pocket. Pull it out. It's got leprosy. If you ever Google image leprosy hands, you should. If you have a very weak stomach, do not. He, put, he says, put your hand back in. It's whole. Then he says, but, okay, all right, so you're going to give me some stuff to do. All right, Lord. I can't talk. Does this not sound like the church in America? We have every single excuse. Sounds like a valid excuse to me. Who calls a man that can't talk to preach? God. And God says to him, I will be your mouthpiece. I will speak through you. If God's calling you to something, which he is, because nobody in this room is common, he will speak through you. If you want to see your family saved, you're not common. God will give you your family. And he'll put the words in your mouth. And he'll give you the right attitude. Amen. Go read Exodus 4. Just go read it. It's so funny. You think after God says, I'm going to speak through you, right? That Moses says, okay. Nope. I'm not going, God. Find somebody else. And it says God was angry and finally said, who's that coming? Aaron. I'm going to tell Aaron, because he can speak, that I'm going to give you all the wisdom to speak. Now listen. There's a, my dad said in Sunday school today, there's an Old Testament, there's a foreshadow of a, everything in there. This is really cool. Because when we could not do it, Jesus Christ became on side of us, and now we can do it. He's always with us. He's never going to forsake us. He's going to help you if you step out tonight.
How awesome would it be if people actually believed this? And next week we had to start figuring out what the second service was going to look like on Sunday morning because all the people from their office, because they actually believe they're special and that they believe that people in their office actually are deprived and really want what we have. You believe that? A couple more scriptures and I'll let you go. Second Peter 1.10. These are about our calling. It says, Therefore, brothers, diligently make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And what he's talking about is he's saying add, add to faith virtue. And to this, he's saying there's got to be a constant growth. If you are called... You have to make your calling sure. You have to be diligent with it. That means you can't be stained by the world. Common. If you want to be common, everybody in the world's common. But if you want to be a royal priesthood, if you want to be somebody plucked out, do you realize the amazingness that the living God comes and speaks to us? That's amazing. There's nothing common about it. You ever read his word? Just like I was reading that scripture about Peter. It jumped off the page. If God sanctified it, you're not common. When you pray, start going boldly now into the throne. Not wondering and praying and then, well, let's see if God answers. No, knowing he's going to answer. It's gotten so sad in the Christian world that all we tell people is, is if you're blessed financially, you're blessed. But that's, there's way more to a calling than money. Amen. Should you be blessed with money? Yes, as your soul prospers. Third John says, but Peter and John, when they were going to the temple to pray, they said, silver and gold, I have nothing, but I have everything. And I, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to give you something because their calling was not common. Were these not ignorant fishermen? But they took note, they spoke with authority because they had been with Jesus. They were no longer common fishermen. They had understood their calling. I pray tonight when you leave, please grab a hold of your calling. Three people this week told me that they felt like they couldn't step out to God. I told you earlier because they felt like they were unworthy to do it. Well, if God's going to have to find somebody worthy to do it, we're in trouble. Because Christ was the only one worthy to do it. Look at this one. Philippians 3.14, we always say that. I press toward the goal to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Your calling is so high. It's important what you do. There's a high calling on your life. Where you go, what you say. You got a high calling on your life. It says, I press towards the goal to the prize of the high calling of God. Do we press anymore? Do we even know what press means? I, I didn't come up in the middle of hol the holiness movement and when God was really pouring out his spirit, but I was around some people that did and it influenced them so much. See, I remember what when we used to say we tarry at the altar and what joy we share as we tarry. Press, wait. 
Now it's microwave Jesus. He's got to be in, out, gone. I'm telling y'all, some of the friends I have that you experience God with, they, they wouldn't even probably, nobody would show up if they preached the second time because they might wait 20 minutes on God. They might come off the pulpit and hit the altar and you're like, well, who's in charge of the service? God is. We've seen Brother Doug do it. So, no, we're not moving forward yet. We're going to wait. Amen? What happened? We had an awesome service. Amen? And I'm not saying everything that happened back then was good. It's about people are people. But we're not common. We, sometimes we just got to press and get alone with him and wait and tarry till he starts to show us who we are. I think it's great pastor this morning said that when God spoke to him that he's calling him to preach he didn't say go preach now this new generation I've been around them long enough and a lot of them they want to get saved and get a mic in their hand I don't know what it is about them but they don't believe in order and working their way up and paying their dues they want to come in okay I got saved put me to work I want to be on, not just work don't give me any work I'll tell you what I'm qualified. I'll tell you what I'm gifted in. It's true. But he said, God didn't put him to preaching. He put him to prepare yourself. You're not common. You got to prepare yourself. It means you can't do everything the world does and still bear the anointing. Because you'll go through the process and everybody in the church, whether you realize it or not, they can tell when you got the goods. They can tell if you got the world with this hand and trying to serve Jesus with this one and say, I'm telling you, you can see it. Amen. It doesn't work. Prepare yourself. See, I've been serving God 40 years. I don't care. Prepare yourself. He hadn't just stopped because you've been serving him 40 years. He's got something for you. If he didn't, you'd already be with Jesus. Right? You'd already finished your race. There's a crown waiting for you. Well, you're down here. Papa messes with me all the time because he knows I hate it. He says, I won't be here much longer. I'll be with the Lord. And I was like, nope, I got a scripture for you. Paul said he wanted to be with the Lord, but it was more needful for the church that he stayed. So you're going to be here a long time. I'm going to use the scriptures on you. Paul had that same desire to be with Jesus. But he said, yep, but the church needs me. And I'll tell you something. We need elders in the church today like we've never needed them. People to speak wisdom into our lives. Last one. I lied. There's last two, but 2 Timothy 1.9. I love this scripture. Who saved us and called us with a holy calling. Your calling is set apart. You're calling. Nobody else can do what you can do. Isn't it funny when you talk about callings? Everybody thinks about, well, am I called to Africa? Am I called to be missionaries to Italy? Maybe. But I've always, I've always thought, and I've been with Mark and Shane long enough, they'll witness to anybody. <laughs> but I've, before he sends you to Africa, you're going to have to be able to talk about Jesus just everyday life. He's going to tell you to start there. If you can't talk to your neighbor about him, he's not going to send you to Africa to talk about him. 
Amen? So don't worry about, oh, man, he's going to call me somewhere crazy. No, no, no. He's just going to let you right where you are know that he's plucked you out, that you're peculiar, which means you're, you're his own property, and he's placed you where you are now. And the calling is telling everybody about the marvelous light that Jesus Christ can change us. I'm telling you guys, and I'll close with this. I can't tell you the times in the last three or four months that I've said, hey, I don't want to hear it, Pastor. You did it about 40 times today. So I said I'm closing, and he, he smiled. <laughs> I got it honest. So I can't tell you the times that I sit in my recliner, and I think about when the rapture is going to happen, when the, the end of our lives you know, Aaron said this morning, you might not make it in the rapture. God might call you home tonight. And then you've got to stand before him. And I'm always worried about some of these parables that Jesus gave. That they're going to say, I did all of this for you. And he's not, one place he says, I don't know you anymore, which means you've drifted and changed. This time he's like, I don't even know you. You know church? You, oh, yeah, it's easy when the music gets right to get chill bumps. I saw a guy on Facebook last night said he was listening to Bohemian Rhapsody live in England in the 70s, and he got chill bumps. Okay, you got chill bumps. That don't mean God is anywhere near you. It's who you are when you leave if those chill bumps mattered. And they're going to say, God, but when the band hit that song I liked, I got chill bumps. And he's going to say, who are you? Amen. No, like I'm an evangel. Like, man, when we have words and tongues and interpretation and there's crazy people running everywhere. And he's going to say, I don't, I don't know you. I wonder if it's sin for us to have a calling and to disregard and not do anything because we think we're common. I, I, I'm serious. When I was younger, I'll be honest with you, I cared about what, how the church attendance was. I tell Bethany sometimes my dreams, and I just talk to her. That's me and her, so none of your business. Because I want this place packed. I want us to have to run TV cameras in the fellowship hall because there's people. I want it because I know it's souls. But the older I get, the less I care about that. And the more I want the people that God has here to go to heaven. I want them to fulfill their calling in life and not just coast on common. You don't know us in this room. You don't know where God's going to take this room. You don't know what employee. You say, oh, well, you're thinking big now. No, I'm talking about that employee that you have that's thinking about killing himself under depression. And God uses you. Just like he was going to use Moses and he uses you. You don't understand. That's way more rewarding than anything else. Tell you, every, all these young preachers in here, everybody wants a big ministry, but they don't want the big problems that come with them. I'm glad I sit under some pastors that have, been, have bigger churches. I hear what they're going through. I say, thank you, Lord, for evangel. <laughs> Whew. More people, more problems. 
So I'm not talking about these great expansive ministries. I'm talking about you actually being light to people that are in hurt all around us. And if you think you're common, you just walk by them like, I can't really do nothing with them. You're not common. You've been bought with precious blood. Amen. Amen. You know what the problem in the South with simple sermons is? Everybody always, you know how you talk to teenagers, you try to tell them something. Oh, no, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You're like, you're not a parent. Yes, I have a lot of teenagers over the last years. You start to try to correct them and tell them, hey, this would work. No, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. That's how the church will do you sometimes on these sermons. Oh, yeah, I know, I'm not common. Yeah, I got to gotta check. Joyce Myers said that her, number, her book called Love Revolution was the absolute least selling book that she's ever had. Because she said, and she was like, God, this was the greatest revelation you've ever given me on how love changes all of us. And your love changes the world. And she said, nobody bought the book. Because you know why? The church world said, oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I got it. Yeah, love, got it, got it, got it. Don't do that tonight. Get alone with Exodus 4. And look how close to Moses we really are. Excuse after excuse why we can't do it. Some of us have been used by God before. We don't want him to use us again because of the cost. If you don't think God just dropped that in my heart. Yes, the the not being common is going to cost you something. But what you gain is way more than the cost. You know God's commandments aren't grievous? Sometimes we think like having to pray is grievous. Well, let me go pray. That sounds like somebody common. No. It's as essential as breathing. Last thing, I promise. It just keeps coming to me. I'm reading this book called called The Emotional Healthy Leader. I cannot get out of chapter one. I can't get out of there. He starts talking about what do you do when you're doing for God far out seeds your inward being with God and it can't sustain your doing for God. I can't get past that statement. Like in the church, it's so set up now that nobody wants to work or do anything. You get somebody new in here and they're in love with Jesus and they're fresh saved. What do we do now? Please get into work. Go, ministry, Tom. Push. And we tell them that all they're doing is way more important than their being with God alone in that intimate time and hearing Him. Should there be a doing? Yes. But you better make sure this being with Him is way more important than the doing for Him. I'm not common. I thought you were telling us we're not common to go do. I'm telling you, you better get alone with him first. You better have that being with him where you sit and talk to him. And then all the doing will come. Now, I know none of you guys do that. You don't actually just say yes and work hard for Jesus. But you bypass that sitting alone with him. I wonder what we would all look like if we were like, I'm special and I'm going to get up tomorrow morning and spend some extra time with the Lord. I wonder what our day would look like. 
Let this mind be in you that was in Christ. Think like him. You got to be with him to think like him. Amen. Everybody stand. There's this song this guy sings. He says something like, I've been thinking about it all day. I hadn't heard it in years. He says, I am royalty. I have been set free. You ever heard that? And I'm like, Jake Hamilton, is that what he said? I thought that's who that was. And I thought, yeah, that's a mentality that you don't hear in the church. Listen, I hope you don't think I'm preaching at you guys. Because when I'm, I'm reading this, I'm thinking, man, I've made myself too common. And if I'm just one of the good old grunt workers for God, he doesn't really have time for me. But if I'm special to God, and he's picked me out in this generation to do something awesome. Some of you are going back to high school. He's picked you out for now. When it's the darkest, that marvelous light will only shine bright in dark. We're all sitting in church shining our lights. Wow, nothing's happening. I don't think I've ever heard my grandfather in 16 years be as blunt as he was today. I was like, finally, yeah. Ouch, at the same time. And he said to us that God gave him a dream and a word for this church that we got to let Jesus. And I thought, man, what are we going to do with Jesus? And he said, oh, we say we had a good service. Well, who got saved? Nobody. He's not putting down refillings and rejuvenations and re-all that stuff. But he is saying to us, listen, you are a royal priesthood. Jesus Christ wants to walk with you outside these walls. This is not rhetoric. He wants to use us. I did not come here tonight to waste my time. I didn't come here to church because, well, that's what we do on Sunday night. I mean what I'm telling you, and I've heard from God. He wants to make you special into you. He already knows. He wants you to realize who you are. He wants you to realize, I don't care if he's using you to change people all around you. He's got more. Man, I feel him. that's sweeter sometimes than just being with him and then we just kind of go back to common I don't want cookie cutter Christianity and I don't want a cookie cutter church when Carly was telling me that there's not churches anywhere around here you got to drive to the other side of town if you've got a kid with special needs to be ministered to. She showed me the picture of a couple. They have their mind fully and they're in a wheelchair and they've got, is it several palsy? And they're married. They're in church and he's got his arm worked around. So his mind's completely fine and so is hers, but his bo their bodies won't work. And somebody took the time to tell them about Christ. Now they understand their royalty. They come to the camp not as campers because it's a camp for all of them. They come as workers. What if we had a service back there on Sundays 
and told everybody around you, if you've got a special needs, we're now equipped to handle you. We want you to see Jesus. I drive past that Hispanic trailer park in Fultondale all the time and think, God, they're in our area. They've got to be reached. I see those kids out playing and it just shreds my heart. You might be the very one that he birthed something so special. I don't want this to be a cookie cutter church. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable to step out. Yes, it will be. It's going to be uncomfortable for you to step out at work the first time. But if you'll trust him, he'll show you what he showed Moses. It's never been your words, Moses. It's going to be my words. It's never going to be your work, Moses. It'll be my work. There is a powerful spirit here. I feel fresh revival. I always talk about Tommy Barnett. You know how his church has grown? If you go to Phoenix, Arizona right now and go to their Chamber of Commerce and get a flyer of the top 10 things to do in Phoenix, they're number nine. Their Sunday night church is number nine. What? A church made top 10 things to do in Phoenix? Yeah, because you know what he does? Anybody that comes in his office and says, I've got a vision for this. He says, good. God gave you the vision. I'll do whatever it takes to help. Run with it. They've got a whole section of people with HIV that they keep so they can hear the gospel. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. Really? We love Jesus. The one that actually went and touched lepers. About all that now, you're getting crazy. He brings the homeless in, and there's people sitting on pews saying, We need something to do. They say, Good, you're gonna come here and we're gonna give them haircuts, put the bowl on their head, and buzz them, give them a bath. Does that stuff really matter? See, I thought he was all those things, but you didn't do it. And when he says, why, why didn't you do it? We're going to say, because I'm just me. Just common me. Really. I feel God stirring something.